Living the Principles. This podcast is hosted by Latricia Smith and Phyllis G. Williams. Living the Principles seeks to expand mindsets, express beliefs, and edify excellence in hopes of building a stronger Black community. Welcome to Living the Principles. Welcome. I am Latricia, and with me is my co-host, Phyllis. Hey, Phyllis. Hello, Latricia. Hello out there, Difference Makers. Today, we have a special guest. Our special guest today is... Hi, this is Doralon. <laughs> it is Doralon. She is an expert in her field of education. She's recently started training at the district level and she will be rolling out the new civics curriculum in her home in her state of Illinois. She has also an attendee of a graduate, excuse me, of Florida A&M. So we will hear from her and she will teach us about the levels of government. How are you doing? I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much, Phyllis, for inviting me. Hopefully, we're having an awesome time and I get to just educate you guys on just, you know, the local city and federal government today. Cool. And you seem so knowledgeable. I didn't mention this in your introduction because I my sheet disappeared. <laughs> but um, you mentioned that you helped some other people with a campaign in 2010. Yes. So while I was receiving my political science degree at FAMU, you know, go Rattlers now, um, we had the opportunity in order to graduate, you had to do an internship. So I had the opportunity to intern with the um, a prospect. He wanted to become the governor of Florida. And so once I hop on to his campaign, a word got out about me. And then so other people was like, well, I want her on my campaign team as well. So I became a campaign staffer for about three or four different people and they all won. So I have a hundred percent election record now. They all won. So you are a trainer of winners, it seems to say. And you also have a minor degree in African-American studies. What made you pursue that? So interesting about me in high school, we had the opportunity in the state of Florida, if your homeschool received an F two years in a row, you can transfer to a better school. And so I transferred into one of the most prestigious schools, Winter Park High School uh, in Winter Park, Florida. But I realized I was the only black student in all of my classes. So rather that was the honors, AP, IB program, there wasn't much people that looked like me. And so when it was time for me to decide what college I wanted to go to, it had to be an HBCU. So at FAMU, in order to graduate as a requirement, you had to have one semester of African American history. And so my very first teacher, I fell in love. The amount of information I was able to receive that I have not received from that pre-K all the way up to that time, I was like, well, wait a minute. 
I didn't know black people was doing this. I had no idea we invented this. I had no idea we were elected officials here in this state and we were, you know, policy makers and we uh, did a lot of amazing historical things that was not taught to me in any of my history classes. And so that class right there was the game changer. And then so I had pretty much enough credits to make that a major, but I ended up minoring in African-American studies because of that class. And it is a requirement at FAMU to have. Oh, I love to hear that. And it sounds so empowering. I'm a firm believer that once we start to look at ourselves differently, we'll start to think of ourselves differently and act differently. So you gave me some questions. Thank you so much. And I realize how I am not smarter than a fifth grader with those questions. And I'm a teacher. I was embarrassed, I said. But I don't teach social studies, so that's one thing I can say. <laughs> but you gave us a list of questions, and we just want to go into those questions. I'll let Latricia take it. Very interesting questions, they are. And we posted these questions on social media. I don't know if we got much engagement or if people answered the questions or not, but sometimes I think people... Google answers anyway. Not that people don't know, because I'm sure there are some people who who know. But for those who don't know, let's ask the question. So one of the questions was, which branch of government declares war? I love that one. Um, so per the Constitution, we had three branches of government. And so the one that will allow us to declare war is the legislative branch. So in the U.S. Constitution, Article 1, Section 8, Clause 1, to be very specific, it states that the Constitution, it grants Congress the sole power to declare war, not the current sitting president. He does not have that right and or power. Congress, the legislative body, must decide if we can go to war. Yeah, I think that's very interesting. And another thing that's interesting about that as well is Although America has been part of different wars and conflicts, America had not declared war in all these places. Like the last war that we were part of, America didn't declare war. So I think it's interesting that we think because we're in war that America has declared war when America hasn't declared war since what World War II. I love that. And because of the check and balance system, we have to make sure that uh, if we are going to go to war, Congress has to act on it. They have to vote. All these members, over 500 members of Congress need to come together and to decide, do we have credible evidence? Why are we going to go to war? Is there a particular reason? What would be the end result and the end goal? What could be some factors that can be... Um, that could uh, make sure what could be some of the factors where we may not be safe. What if they retaliate against us? So, right. So these members, uh, these elected officials are the only ones who are allowed to declare war. And you probably well, not probably, but you already answered the second question, but maybe some people missed it. So the second question is, what is another name for the legislative branch of the federal government? I love that. So Congress is also another name that you can use to identify the legislative branch. Um, also within the Constitution, it states specific powers of Congress. So, for example, law, they can create laws. That's why you can also call them lawmakers, declare war, of course. They can impeach and try 
federal officers. As we do know, our current sitting president, he was impeached. However, he was not removed. So Congress can um, impeach federal officers. Also, they can approve presidential appointments. So for example, Supreme Court justices, that will be something that we should look at. They also conduct investigations. For example, Watergate. Now, I wasn't born during that time because I was born in 88. So I'm a little young. But a summary of Watergate, what ended up happening, a group of individuals broke into the Democratic Committee headquarters in um, in D.C., so what happened, it, a slew of things happened because of that Richard Nixon, that current sitting president at that time, they had to do an investigation to see, well, why are people um, looking into the Democratic headquarters? What is going on here? So they found tapes and documents. And some of those members were former CIA agents. So in order to um, not get impeached and not to be removed from office, he is currently the only president that had to resign. And he resigned so that he would not have been impeached and, and go on trial. So that was kind of interesting. So that's another power of Congress. That's a great history and government lesson. Now, here's the last question. Who is the head of the executive branch at the state level? Now that question was a little bit tricky. That that was the that was a history teacher question, right? <laughs> so it's called your governor. So every single state has a governor. We have fifty states in the United States, so they we do have a governor. Now, do, do, some states uh, they have certain governor laws, i.e., they can only be elected more than a certain time. So there are term limits. Um, for example, in California, they only have two terms where you could become the governor, and then after that, they're going to allow another person to become governor. But governors act like many presidents of their state, many presidents of their state. Awesome. Now, while this seemed like it was a bit of government and history trivia, it really is more than that. Can you tell us why it's important to know these things? Ooh, well, let me say the laws, the ordinances that we have determine your everyday life. You are affected from the time you wake up in the morning to the time you go to bed. So public policies are uh, regulations. Um, it could be government actions develop. And of course, sometimes it helps us. It solves the problem that we may have. Um, it organizes our public life. But there are some consequences if you do not follow those particular laws. So I'm not sure if you're ready, if you want to do a typical day in your life. So we can we can do, you know, a walkthrough with that. When you first wake up in the morning, there are zoning laws that determine where you can build your home and where you can rent. Okay. So that's number one. Now let's just say you want to wake up, you want to go to work um, in the morning. You got to turn on your lights. The city will then determine which gas and electric providers that you can go to. Now, some have a monopoly. And a monopoly is where the area, it eliminates your competition. So, for example, here in Chicago, we have ComEd and only ComEd. There is no other um, entity where we can get our electricity from. And so even if my electricity is high, I'm going to have to have that high bill. There is not another competition that can 
lower that bill or provide a lower bill for me. As a rule of thumb, y'all, make sure you pay your electric and gas bill on time because according to the law, it is subject to be disconnected for non-payment. During the winters, I do notice some states, they will allow your gas to be turned on um, and you do not have to pay it up until that May or that spring. So that is a grace where some states can, you know, it gets really, really cold during the winters up here. And so we want to make sure you don't freeze to death into your home. Now you wake up, you turn on your lights. I'm hungry. Let's get some breakfast. Let's go ahead and pack our lunch. Well, the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, they regulate your food and the ingredients in which you can have that goes into the market. The USDA, which is the United States Department of Agriculture, they determine our meat, our poultry, and certain processed eggs that gets regulated. Now that we packed up our lunch, let's try to go to work. Now, you have a couple options. You can get into your car. You must have a valid driver's license. You must have a car insurance, car registration, and car tag. Now, let's just say you don't have a car, public transportation. Each city must provide per taxpayer dollars access to public transportation, whether that's a bus or a train. But we know in our community, there are some areas they purposely will limit or not even offer public transportation. So where I currently live right now um, and I don't have a car, I cannot, I can walk to the bus stop, but it's going to take me 60 minutes to get to work, an hour. Now think about winters in Chicago and I'm waiting, I'm on the bus for an hour. There is no train stop next to me. So what I have to do, I have to take an Uber. An Uber will take me 10 minutes. But let me find out. What I found out recently is that Uber and Lyft have been charging certain communities extra because of where they live. So because of my current location, I pay a almost double, double or triple the amount to get to work because of my location. So that's interesting. Now, while you're driving, let's say you have your car, you're going to have to adhere to state and federal road laws. By not doing so, you may potentially get a tip, a ticket, may get stopped by a police officer. And unfortunate, as we can see, due to recent police brutality, when you get stopped by that police officer, it is important you know you understand that when your rights are being violated, how to process that information, how to talk to the police officer, and what are your next steps. Now, you finally made it to work. There are labor laws. So, for example, there's a Fair Labor Standard Act. That's a child labor law that prohibits employers from providing unsafe environment that can be detrimental or harmful for children regarding their health and their safety. There's the Americans with a Disability Act that pretty much says, although I may be disabled, I should have access to work as well as employment and where I can live as well. There's the Family and the Medical Leave Act. FMLA. So let's just say my mom is sick or my dad is sick. According to the law with FMLA, I can take some time off to take care of them. Or let's just say I ended up getting COVID. There's a pandemic that's happening outside. Due to the FMLA, I can take some time off. Um, now, what we don't have is a maternity um, law 
the United States is one of uh, the only states or the only um, the only country that does not provide that at a first world. So that's interesting to me. So if even right now I don't have any kids, but I have a fur baby, he's he is my son, y'all. He's expensive. However, um, if I got pregnant and I wanted to take some time off, that's time off that I'm not getting paid for. So again, so some of these laws try to create um, to, you know, to help us, but we we still have a long way to go. Now, let's talk about the federal minimum wage that um, per the government. It is right now at seven dollars and twenty five cents. How are we going to live? How are we going to survive? Food prices are up, right? Gas prices are up. You have to pay for all of these bills, but yet federal minimum wage is $7.25. Now, I did some research. I did notice there are about three states that have higher federal um, state minimum wage. So, for example, New York City is at $11.80. Washington, D.C. is about $14 per hour and is going to climb to $15 dollars an hour in mid 2020 California is right now at $13.50 however with those three states the cost of living is high so let me ask is that really enough is that a livable wage can i pay for a one bedroom with that amount of money that i'm getting paid per hour now that we're done with work we're going to go ahead and head home there are city ordinances that determine if even I want to watch TV, cable and internet company providers, there are city laws that determine your cable providers and internet providers in your area. So that's very much so interesting to me. Also, there are noise ordinances. So even in your own home, you cannot just blast your own music. There are ordinances that that determines the volume and also sometimes the time in which. So for example, I'm a landlord. So depending on in within your lease and or contract that you sign, it determines when you can even turn on your music. So that is very interesting. So that is right there from the time you wake up all the way to the time you go to bed. There is some sort of a local, state, or a federal law that pretty much governs your day. Wow. I am learning so much from you. And I know a lot of people say, well, I don't do politics or I don't do, but we all do politics and you just demonstrated how it affects our everyday life. As you were speaking, I remember recently I spoke to somebody about getting solar panels on my home. And that was one of the things they told me, you can get solar panels on your home. But if you do, you have to do it before this year because the current administration is taking away that tax credit. And that's something else to our taxes. How would our taxes at the local level be affected based on who we have in office? Ooh, that's a great question. So your city taxes um, and state taxes, of course, uh, the mayor and the governor will determine how your taxes are being distributed. So for example, um, the school, the upkeep of school. So when we're talking about school budgets, right, as an educator, um, that determines how many students we can have in our classroom, how many teacher assistants, how many CECAs, how many paras we can have, caseworkers, that um, determines how many nurses we can have, um, 
also it determines um, your roads. Let's just say if your roads in your neighborhood isn't fixed properly, you have to talk to city officials to say, hey, it is your responsibility to make sure that the roads are safe. We can walk and cross the roads. We can drive on the roads. Um, another example, the city lights. As you're walking through your neighborhood, that is a city responsibility to make sure that I can get my child home and safe at night if they went to the park. For example, that's another city that has to um, agency that is responsible to making sure that our tax dollars are going where they need to be. But however, we got to hold them accountable. So if they're not doing what they need to do, start going to these meetings, start calling them, stop going to their house. I'm not sure if you've been seen with Chicago. We know where she live. Our mayor, we know where she live. So protesters have been going to her home and saying, hey, we see you and we want and we demand change. So your voice does count. It does matter. Wow, you guys do have a gangster mayor. That's the one with the short hair. Yeah. I see memes about her. I forgot about that. <laughs> Patricia, you want to go ahead? Oh, I was going to say that where I live, I live in the county. I don't live in the city, but I live on the outskirts. So that I, I live between the city and between another town. So while I'm not affected by city taxes, I don't get to vote in city elections for city council for mayor or any of that stuff. But having to maneuver in the city, I still have to go into the city, but I don't have any say so in the city. I only have say so in the county where we vote for county commissioners. And the same thing with the town. I don't have any say so in the town. I only can just go there and maneuver through there and do what what I have to do there. I think that that's an interesting thing as well. When people live in the city and the county, because the county is big. So you live in the city, you live in the county. So they have to pay city taxes and county taxes. And they have they have additional things in the city that maybe I don't have in the county. And also... You mentioned schools in some places like here, the schools are county schools. We have county schools as opposed to city schools. So I think that it's important not only to attend city council meetings, but also to attend the county commissioner meetings so that you know what's going on in the county and the city. Sherlon? Yes, ma'am. As Latricia was speaking, and this is kind of a impromptu question, why do you think we, and as we, I mean, Black people, why do you think that we are nervous to go to the, the local area where we can make change? Why are we, why do you think there are some reasons that people are apprehensive about going to the local city council meetings? Systematically, I think that the people in charge don't care. Right. We feel that we feel like they don't care. So if I if my voice is going to be silenced. Right. If I can't even vote in certain elections. Right. If depending on where the location of where I live, um, that doesn't determine anything. They feel untouchable. And so they act upon that. So I've seen a lot of our older people. I've seen a lot of younger college students who are currently in college. They just feel like their voice does not matter. That's the main important thing. And then number two, 
we don't hold them accountable. And so we don't even know who our elected officials are, right? They don't come out to our neighborhood. They don't come out to the the meetings with us. They don't come out to the schools, right? And so we don't even know who they are. So if I have a complaint and I don't know your name, I don't even know where to go to to make that complaint. So that's important, getting to know who your elected officials are. So me moving here to Chicago, we have aldermen, that's new to me. So each ward had their own alderman and the aldermen act as a mini mayor where they also get to, um, they have also powers as well um, granted to them. And the mayor uh, will then be another person that you can uh, have conversations with about what we can do and new laws that we can have passed at the city and local level. But just just speaking to younger people my age, it's kind of like for so long, um, because we have been disenfranchised for so long, um, we have been threatened or beaten or been kidnapped, right? If you do this, right? If you go vote, right? We're going to kill you, right? I.e. the KKK. If you do this, um, you're not going to come back home. And so it's also fear. Fear is another reason. If I speak up, will they come take away my home? If I speak up, am I going to lose my job? Are they going to blacklist me? So that's another thing that I see in our community. We don't want to shake up the um, the table. Um, one of the questions that you had sent to me that I thought was just so interesting, it was, how do I define myself? That I thought that was, I've never had someone ask that question to me. And I wrote down, I am a social studies crusader. I am a rebellious political scientist. Most importantly, I'm an educator. That is my gift and that's my calling. If you know better, you'll do better. However, we can't say, well, I didn't know during the age of technology. Or if you don't know, find somebody who do know, right? How do I go to the city commission meeting? Where's the link? What's the website? How often is it? What time do I have to go? Do I have to re re rearrange my schedule, right? Those are important information you need to know. And if you don't know it, ask people around you. There's a lot of people out here who are knowledgeable and they keep the information, but they won't tell us um, how to make sure that our voices can be heard. And then also, Let's, I'm going to be honest with you. The FBI and the CIA do not like when Black people are empowered. The federal government do not like when we start leveling up, when we understand the rules, when we understand the Constitution, right? When we say, mm, you are infringing upon my right. They don't like that. So that's important to note as well, you know, is that fear is that fear of speaking out. They showed us what happened to the Black Panthers. They will jail you if you speak out and say something. However, there's power in numbers. There's power in numbers. And that I do love. It takes one person. However, the collective, if we all come up together and say, we can get this done, oh, it will happen. I'm glad you mentioned that about the power in numbers because here we are at election time coming up and everyone is courting the black vote. All of the candidates, they're trying to get the black vote and because they know the power in the numbers. So when you were speaking to me, it sounded like many people have apathy. They're, they're apathetic. So 
what can you say to people to get the, and I don't know if this question is premature, if we're going to get to this later or not, but what can we say to people? What can you say to people to get people to get out and register and vote because voting is important? And not only is voting important, but what do we do after we voted? Because there's more to it than just going out to vote. That's an awesome question. Um, Let me first say this. There have been so many people who lost their lives fighting for us to get the, um, the right to vote, whether it was lynches, right? Rather, uh, so after the reconstruction era, we passed the 13th, 14th, and 15th amendment. The 13th amendment abolished slavery. The 14th amendment gave us citizenship. The 15th amendment gave black men the right to vote. The 19th amendment allowed women to vote. However, certain states, particularly in the South, put limitations on how we can vote. So for example, poll taxes, they're saying, you know what, I'm gonna let you vote, but you won't have to pay in order to vote. Um, You know what, I'm gonna let you vote, but I'm gonna let you read the constitution and read it out loud. Knowing good and well, slaves were not allowed to get a formal education, right? I'm gonna let you vote. However, mm, the KKK is at the door, so you're not gonna make it home, okay? So there were some literacy laws that were put in place. Um, Now, Due to the voting uh, amendments that were passed, we were able to then break some of those barriers. And so it we did see a spike. We did see more people go out and exercise their right to vote. I remember when I was in college, the night Barack Obama was elected, the first African-American male elected office, I had goosebumps. It was in our lifetime we were able to have that happen. However, it took us, we were in the lines, right? Those polling lines, I saw people were in lines for hours having the ability to say, you know what? I'm going to make sure my vote counts. I'm going to stay in this line and I'm going to cast in that ballot. I'm going to cast in that vote. We have to make sure the current sitting president that we have has to be elected out of office. I don't want any crazy things that happen. So for example, when George W. Bush and Al Gore was running, I don't want any of that. I want him to lose fair and square. However, we have to go ahead and mobilize that vote. What I do notice is, and a lot of my friends were telling me, some of these candidates are not appealing. Some of the things that they're saying, I don't really care about. If I'm a college student, will my loans be forgiven? That's important to me. I have people who are in their early, who are senior citizens, Lord. I have some of my friends who are in their 50s still paying, still paying for student loans that they took in their 20s. Now, I may or may not pay mine. I may have to go back and go home to Haiti. I may not pay my student loans, Lord. But even just think about that, right? We're not, are we, are these candidates discussing the topics that we care about? What about a felon, right? Who may or may not have actually committed a crime. And now, de- depending on the certain state that that particular person may live, they might not be able to vote because they are a felon. Thankfully, in the state of Illinois, now it's per state. Now in the state of Illinois, where I currently live, felons, convicted felons, they are allowed to vote, but there are some states who they make sure, particularly in the South, they make sure if you are a felon, you cannot vote. So they are still today in 2020, they are trying to put the red tape that will not allow you to vote. But due to public opinion, due to public policy, we can push back and say, hey, we have our rights. We should be allowed to vote. 
Um, we have a viewer who asked, and I believe it's been answered. How do we remove or move past the fear? What do we do if an issue does arise? And that's just to mobilize. Um, I did have a statement more so than that, but um, like student loan forgiveness, that's another way the federal government affects us because um, as teachers, we're, we can be in the public service loan forgiveness program, but they may not be around for for a few more years. It could go away. So I definitely want to get into that program so um, we can do that. But there's a lot of people that don't even know stuff about public service loan forgiveness and things along those nature. It has been so good speaking with you and I've learned so much. I am definitely going to watch this again with paper and pencil and take notes. I'm going to become a student again because I really, I'm an avid voter because my grandma was really big on voting. So I didn't even really understand the importance of it, but I saw it in my home. Latricia, do you have anything else before I ask Dorlan, my last question. No, it's it's been great. And it's just one of those topics that can go on and on and on. So I'm going to go ahead and zip my lips and we can move on. <laughs> okay. So Dorlan, we now know more about the levels of government and the importance it has on our life. We normally do something called the principle challenge. Our podcast is based on the quantum principles. So could you give us a principal challenge, which is just another name for call to action? Yes. And I love that you guys do that. Principal challenge. Live them out. So right now, my call to action as a social studies teacher, as a civics educator, go out and vote in the election um, this election right here, not just for the president, educate yourself, look up to see what are the state, what are the local election um, that you need to vote on as well. Now, there are a couple uh, voter qualifications, of course, you must be a U.S. citizen, you have to be 18 before um, the or on the day of, of the general election, a resident of the area, of course, um, will determine if you qualify to vote. Now, you do need about two pieces of documentation to vote. So that could be a state ID, a state license. That could be your social security card once you go up and fill out that form. And you can do it online as well. So that's good. There are a couple different ways to vote. Um, you could vote in person. Um, you can vote by mail, which is good. You can vote during election day. Now, there are three primary ways to vote early voting. I express, let me tell you guys now, these lines are going to be long. Some states have a specific voting timeline. Go to your city clerk, county clerk, or supervisor of election website to figure out when is early voting. Then you can vote anywhere you would like. Some states you need your um, your your ID. Some states you do not. So make sure you go ahead and vote early. Another one is voting by mail. Pay close attention to when you have to turn in that mail um, ballot deadline. Also, you have to register. You have to complete a mail ballot application form. Make sure you turn that in on a particular time so that you can receive it. They are going to ask you a couple qualifying questions and make sure you live 
in that particular area. One thing that I also noticed, I took a summer um, election course with the University of California. Um, my school district, uh, CPS, Chicago Public School, um, gave us the opportunity to participate in it. What I noticed that I did not know is that when you vote by mail, sometimes your ballot can be rejected because of your signature. So if you are going to vote by mail, thousands of ballots get denied or rejected. Call the Office of Elections. Make sure or go online to see that your ballot was number one received and number two, it was verified. Make sure it was verified. Now, if it is not received and or verified, make sure you ask them what is your next steps, okay? What is your next step? Thousands of voters get their mail-in ballots rejected every election cycle. Now, voting on election day, election day is November 3rd, y'all. Put that down somewhere, put it in your phone, set a timer. If you don't want to do the mail-in ballots, if you do not want to vote early and you want to make sure that your vote counts, election day is going to be that first Tuesday in November in my state of um, Illinois. My awesome governor, Governor Prister, he made election day a state holiday. And so, yes, so there won't be any schools. And also with work, you can have about two to three hours off of work to go vote. You have to submit in that information. So I thought that was awesome. Look to see what are your city and state laws regarding election day. Can you request that day off? Is it going to be a paid time off for you to go vote? Those lines are going to be massive. And of course, COVID-19, there's still a pandemic outside. Make sure you protect yourself. Make sure you try to social distance yourself as best as possible during election day. Have on those gloves. Have on those masks. Protect yourself because it is vote or die during this time. Now, during election day, you have to vote with your designated precinct. If you do not know where your precinct is located, please call the Office of Elections. Um, they will tell you. Now, during early voting, you can go in any early voting location that is provided. So during early, um, early voting, you can go to any location. However, during voting day, you have to go to the specified area in which you live. Also, my college students, it is big. Some of our college students, they do not vote. Um, they have one of the lowest voter turnouts. People over the age of 18, um, around the ages of 18 to 30 as well. My millennials, what I did not know, but I just found out recently, millennials currently are the biggest voting age group currently that can ultimately shape our political spectrum. We can flip some of these states. We can flip some of Congress. Also, another thing that is so important with voting, let me tell you now, because of our check and balance system, even if our current presidents win re-election, if we have control of Congress, we can deny him access to certain things. So let's just say he vetoed a law that we're trying to get passed or in, or he doesn't want to sign a law. We can override it. 
if we have enough votes in Congress, we can override his veto. So it's important that we have enough members of Congress. We have enough in the House. Um, we also have our senators who can go ahead and help us. Even if he wins again, we still have power in the Congress. So make sure you're looking to see on the state and federal level which members of Congress are up for re-election. And let me be honest with you. If you do not know who your Congress member or Congresswoman is, vote them off for office. Because that means they have not reached out to you. That means they have not passed any legislation that was important to you and or has been impactful. Vote them off office. Get them out of here. We have some career politicians who have been in Congress for years. And yet, look what happened with COVID-19. We had one little check of $1,200. When we have other countries, for example, Canada, they've been receiving monthly payments. In the UK and Europe, monthly payments. And instead of shutting down the country, we have to try to go to work. We have to try to go to school and expose, potentially expose us to this um, disease that we, the virus that we currently have. That's not okay with me. And if that's not okay with you, you need to figure out where does your congresswoman or congressman stand during this particular time? Because this pandemic, unfortunately, it's not going to go away January 1st of 2021. So we need to find out who would be the best Congress, the best president to get us out of this pandemic and making sure that we are safe and sound. So in a nutshell, that is pretty much my call to action to get everybody energized and mobilized, get out your voice. There are multiple ways you can have your voice out there. Also, town hall meetings. Talk to your friends. Talk to your auntie. Hey, auntie, are you registered to vote? Hey, mom, did you? Now, mom, did you vote? Are you going to go vote? Do you need to go with me? Let's get in the cars together. Let's go vote together. Do that carpool. Make sure, or if you know your little cousin who's currently in college, ask, are you currently registered to vote? Here are the processes. This is what you need to do so that on that day or during early voting, your voice is heard. And of course, there are multiple ways your voice could be heard. There are multiple ways you can, it's not just the vote. There are other things that you can do so that these politicians, they need to be, they need to be fearful of their lives. They need to know, look, we can get you out of office. Okay. If you are not doing what you need to do to make sure we are safe, make sure we are sound, make sure we have a place to stay, right? Um, get them out of office, get them out of office, limit what they can and cannot do. Uh, thank you so much. Um, at this time, we're going to get into some good news. You can stay on or and listen, or you can get off. It doesn't matter. Oh, I want to hear some good news. I love good news. All right. Thank you so much, Darlon. Do you want people to reach out to you on social media? And if so, oh, wow. yes. So on social media, um, on Facebook, my name is Dorlon Charles. So you can look up um, is D O R L A N D E. 
I am always posting articles, information, links to podcasts, um, links to informative information that will get us to where we need to be in terms of the election, the roles of government. Um, and of course, I crack jokes as well. You know my personality already. I, I think you guys know. Um, I'm not just a snooty um, by the books history teacher, right? As, as a Black woman, right? So I crack jokes sometimes on there. So you can read, you know, you can reach out to me um, at that particular location on Facebook. All right. Thank you so much for our next section. Open your heart, mind, and ears as we spread the good news. Not rumors, not rubbish. Living the principles, we spread the good news. Our first good news, a predominantly Black city, Pleasant Grove in Alabama, elected its first majority Black city council in the city's 131-year history, the Hill reports. Last week, residents in Pleasant Grove, Alabama, had never elected even one Black person to fill a council seat in the more than 130 years since the town was found. Now, three of the five city council seats are said to be occupied by Black council members. The historic win is a result of a lawsuit filed by the NAACP Legal Defense Fund and voting rights attorney. So that is way to make impact on history. Change. If you want to change the future, you got to do something in the present. And that's what happened. Our second good news comes from Canadian politician Kalichi Modu. He was appointed as Justice Minister and Solicitor General, sparking a wave of optimism among the Black community he represents. He is the first Black Justice Minister in Canada, seeing that he has experienced racism. Despite being an attorney, his colleagues feel that he can bring a unique experience to ignite change for marginalized communities. Our third good news comes from former Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice. She published an article entitled, This Moment Cries Out for Us to Confront Race in America. She spoke of her passion for education, her personal experiences with racism growing up in the South, and individuals taking positive action to ignite change in race relations. Per the article, she said, yet any call to action will be empty if it does not move us to individual responsibility. We all have a role to play in moving our country forward and ensuring that our democracy delivers not just for those who have, but also for those who seek and for those in need. That concludes our good news. And we're going to close out with our soul snack. Latricia. Our soul snack for today comes from a Madagascar proverb, and it says, A boat does not know who the leader is. When it turns over, everyone gets wet. That's our show for today. Until next time, expand your minds. And impact your communities. Thanks for listening to Living the Principles Podcast. Be sure to visit us at livingtheprinciples365.com to access the show and join in on the conversations.